Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. The word of the Lord today is Jesus over my stuff. Jesus over my stuff. Now, I know as soon as I said my stuff, somebody started thinking pastor's talking about money today. But listen, don't check out on me, okay? I believe God has something for us that's going to surprise you, and he's going to go a different direction than what you think. So stay locked in with me, right? Tractor beam, right there, right? Stay locked in with me. Jesus over my stuff. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea of Jesus over everything and what that looks like and what it means in our lives, right? So if you missed any of the weeks, uh, don't worry about it, but just catch up on the technology. You can uh, get the audio podcast. There's a link on our website, victoryorlando.com. You can get that on there. If you prefer video, there's a link to our YouTube channel on the same website. But I encourage you, take advantage of those. Get a refresher. Each week, what we've been doing is we've been building on this idea of what Jesus over everything means and what it means in our lives. So in the first week, we talked about this whole idea of Jesus is already in the place. The position that he holds is not second place. He's already in the position where he is over everything. Scripture says he is Lord of all. He is the king of all kings, right? He says uh, he is first place in everything. So Jesus has never been in something where he's finished second place. He is first place. He's not trying to get there. He doesn't need our help to get there. He is first place. And what Scripture is doing is it's kind of giving us this 30,000-foot view of the place that Jesus is in, right? I don't know if anybody been on an airplane before. Yeah, and when you go on the airplane, you start going higher and higher, and you get up there to cruising altitude, right? And then what happens is you can see a much broader view of the world that we live in, right? The 30,000-foot view, you can see everything better. And that's what Scripture is doing us, doing for us in this place, is giving us that 30,000-foot view of the place that Jesus is in. But then we zoom down to the 1,000-foot view of what that looks like in our lives. So the question for us becomes... How then is Jesus over everything in my life? So we've been looking at this idea. Um, We started exploring the story that Jesus told. It was a parable that he told, and it's found in Luke chapter 14. And it's the story of a master of the house who he threw a great banquet or a great party, and he invited people to come. But all the people that were invited, they sent a response back to the master, and it was full of excuses on why they couldn't come to the party. And Jesus is giving us an example of the kingdom of God. The master is God and the house is the kingdom of God. And it's a picture of what it looks like for people to respond to the call of God on their lives, right? And it's kind of different for different people in different places we find ourselves. So for some people, the call of God is just to receive salvation. Maybe it's people that don't know God or are far from God, or maybe they know known God in the past, but they've stepped away from their faith, and so they don't know God. And so the call of God is to step into that place of forgiveness, the place where we have relationship with God, right? For other people who already know God, you say, I have a relationship with Christ already, right? The call of God is then to step into the calling, the purpose, the plan that God has for our lives. So the story is the 
the representation of God's continual call to his people. Hey, I've got more for you. I've got something for you to do. I've got a plan for your life. We know that God has a plan for our life. And Jeremiah, he says, my plans for you are good and not for evil. They're to give you a future and to give you a hope. So God has a plan and a purpose for us, and he's constantly calling us. He's constantly inviting us into it. One thing God is not, God is not a bully. So he's never going to force someone to receive his help or his forgiveness. He's never going to force someone to, to step into his calling, to do what he's called them to do. He's left that decision in your hand and my hand and in our lives. We all have that ability to make that choice, right? But God is calling us, and it's this picture. And in the story, we see these three excuses that Jesus outlines of why people don't answer the call of God on their lives. Last week, we talked about one of those excuses. That's the excuse of my plans. Today, I want to talk about the excuse of my stuff. Next week, you do not want to miss it. It's going to be powerful. We're going to talk about the excuse of my relationships, right? But today, we're talking about uh, my stuff. Last week was my plans. You know, when we talk about our plans being an excuse, it's like, God, I'm sorry. I can't do what you want me to do right now because I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got things to do. Don't you know? I'm busy. I'm important. Right? And God, I, I know, I know you got important things. You want me to help people and be good and all that stuff. And as soon as I take care of my stuff, as soon as my career gets going and I take my five steps towards wealth and success, then I'll circle back around and I'll try to do some of the things you want me to do as long as it doesn't interfere with my plans or upset my, my schedule. So we started exploring this whole idea of putting Jesus over our plans. I would just say it this way, you know, um, we get that mixed up sometimes when we start thinking that we're the center of the universe. But can I tell you, like, everything that happens in life is not about us. Okay, the people in the front row, believe me today. That's good. Thank you for those amens. Let me say it again for the rest of us. Everything that happens in this life is not about us. Right? So we exist for God. He created us so we exist by God so that we would bring him glory, right? Let's look at this in scripture. If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. Uh, we'll start in verse 24. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where uh, you're reading the Bible, maybe, and all of a sudden there's a scripture that like, it's like, like the print is 10 times bigger. It jumps off the page at you. You're like, where's this scripture? It's never been there before. I've, I've definitely read this chapter, but this one has never been there before. God, what are you doing? Is this like holy ink you just read? No, it's, it's been there all along. What's happening in that moment is that God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. That's one of the ways he speaks to us is through his word. And so I just, I point that out because I want to encourage you that you do hear the voice of the Lord. You do hear God speaking to you. Right? And, and sometimes it just comes through his word. And so when that happens, and I pray, I pray it happens to you this week. It happened to me with this scripture this week. I, I was like, I've read the book of Acts before, but as I was reading this, man, it just came alive to me. The word is alive, right? Hebrews says the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It comes and it divides between spirit and everything else, right? So that's what it does. So when it's alive to us, right, what, what you need to do in that moment is just stay right there. Right, because God's trying to get your attention about that. So stay in that moment right there. Read it again. 
I underline it, highlight it, whatever you do. If you've got the scripture cards we've been passing out, make your own scripture card and write it on there. If you don't have those, you can get them on the way out today. And I've got a new one to add for you on there. But man, stay in that moment. Begin to ask him, God, what do you want me to understand about this scripture? God, what are you trying to speak to me? Just begin to like memorize it and think about it throughout your day. And just like, because God is speaking to you in that moment. And I, when, when you read the Bible that way, it's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be your best Bible time ever. And it just brings so much joy, so much excitement to serving God when we experience Him this way. So let's read Scripture this morning. Acts 17, verse 24. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he's in the city of Athens, Greece. And he's there among the philosophers and all the people of the city. They're all gathered together, and he's preaching to them. And he says this in verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. So he's given us that 30,000-foot view, right? He's showing the people Jesus is over everything. God made it all. He's ruling over all, right? Jesus over everything. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. So he's given them this picture that Jesus is over everything. And remember, he's speaking this to people who don't know God. They don't know him. And so he's trying to, trying to give them the introduction into who God is and what he has for them, the purpose and the plans that God has for his life, for their lives. Because remember, the Greek people, they were philosophers. They were great thinkers. So they thought they had it all figured out. They took great pride in knowing the fact of, oh, we're open to new ideas and we can, uh, we can accept things and we can debate things. And y'all thought that was new in our culture. No, like, we, like this is what they thought and, and how they thought. So they had all these gods and all these things that they worshiped. And here Paul is pointing them back to the fact, hey, Jesus is over everything. So I know you think you got it all figured out. I know you think you're super smart and you can take care of yourself. But in fact, you know, he's saying, hey, rather God himself gives life and breath and everything else. I know you think you've accumulated some things and you've done some good things. But in fact, God is the one who gives us those things, right? Because life and breath and everything comes from him, right? So he's giving us this view. Then he begins to drill down get a little closer, get a little more personal with it, right? He says, from one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Now he starts pointing to their purpose. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Oh, I hope you see this today. Like, this is how purposeful your life is. See, God knew the exact moment in all of history that we're in the geographical location that you and I would be in so that we can bring glory to him. He knew, we like, this is how purposeful your life is. God's plans are for good. They're to give you a future and a hope. In fact, Scripture says that before you were even a twinkle in your mama and your daddy's eye, that God knew about you, he had a plan for your life, and he had a book written about you. He knew all about you. So all of history is a setup for this moment for you and I to be here. Yeah. That's how purposeful you are. Like, this is how much God thought about you. So he goes on, right? He says, and God did this. He was so purposeful when he created you, when he fashioned your purpose. He did this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Oh, there's so much life in this passage right here. I hope, I hope you're getting this today, right? So you were God created. You were God uh, directed. God has purpose for you. He put you here because he was hoping that you would want to know him as much as he wants to know you. 
Have you ever thought about that? That God wants to know you so much that he orchestrated everything else so that you would be here right now in East Orlando in a place where you could know him, where you could seek him out, right? And here's the good news. Anytime we seek God, we will find him. Come on. Anytime we seek God, we will find him. That's a good place to give God some praise. Because he's not trying to hide from us. He's right there. He's saying, come to me if you're weary. Come on, baby. If you're, le- if you're burdened down, it's all right. I'll help you out. Come to me. Like, like he's always there to draw us close to him, right? And I, I love this last part, right, where he said he's not far from any of us. So I don't know if what your view of God is, if you view him as the big guy in the chair upstairs waiting for you to mess up so he can throw his lightning bolts on you, if you view him as a rule keeper or a traffic cop or whatever, however you view him, I don't know if you think he's far away from you or close to you. I'm telling you, he's not far from any of us. He's right, he, he's right there. I believe he's right here with us right now. His, one of his names, Emmanuel, means God with us, right? It says that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Like he's always nearby. If we draw near to him, he draws near to us. He's close at hand. And he says the last line, for in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live, move, and have our being, right? So it's not in my bank account that I live, move, and have my being. No, it's in Christ. I live, move, and have my being. So it's not in my accomplishments. It's not in my promotions or my career that I live, move, and have my being. No, it's in Him I live, move, and have my being. It's not in how spiritual I can seem or how good of a person I can be that creates my being. No, it's in Him I live, move, and have my being. So everything about me is for Him and by Him and to bring Him glory, right? Come on. I would say it this way. We can only be at our best when we have Jesus over everything in our lives. Because everything we have is from him. Who we are is for him. So it only makes sense that we could only be at our greatest, living to the maximum when we have Jesus over everything because everything flows through him. So I can do some good things on my own. I can do some things but I won't be successful. I won't be able to sustain what God has called me into when it's just me because power comes from him. Wisdom comes from him. Everything flows through him. Are you getting it this morning, right? So we're talking about Jesus over my stuff. Back in the story in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is speaking. He's given us this picture. He's given us the excuses that people make. And um, I, I, I love seeing the call that, that God makes because he, he's just this continual call that God makes into our lives because he has things for us to do. And I don't know if you're like me. Uh, when I was in my early 30s, I'm 42 now, but when I was in my early 30s, you know, I wanted to do something good for God. I wanted God to use my life. Uh, I had dreams. I had passion. I had skills. I was doing some good things. I was working in the church. I was serving. I was, you know, leading groups. I was helping other people. I was doing lots of stuff. But if I was honest, at the end of the day, I couldn't put my finger on the thing like, God, this is what you've called me to do. Like, I wanted to, God, I I want to do things for you, but God, what is it that you have for me to do? I'm doing some stuff, but God, I know you have more for me to do. God, I know that you've called me, but I I don't know how to define what it is. And if that's you today, you're in that boat. Just know, like, 
I get it. It's hard. And know this, you are not alone in that. You are not alone. And you're not a lesser Christian because of it. You're not loved less. You're not less valuable. In fact, you are loved. You are valuable. I think that hey, being in that place where you're like, God, I don't know what it is you have for me. God, I know you've called me, but I'm not sure what it is. I, I can't define it with clarity. If someone were to come up to me, like, like I, I can't define it. I think that place is actually a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy place but it's a good place to be. Why is that a good place to be? Like, pastor, that seems weird. Like, it's, it's hard. It's confusing. I feel uncertain sometimes. Why is that a good place? Because it's in that place where we begin seeking God. We begin digging in a little bit more. We begin digging into the scriptures a little bit more. God, I don't know what's going on, but I need you right now. We begin crying out for him. We begin drawing closer into him. And in other words, we begin to live out our purpose in those places. What, what did Paul say? He said, we were made so that we would seek him out and know who he is and what he has for us because he wants to know us, right? So it's in that place where we first begin to take that step into what he's called us to do, right? So there's two parts to the calling that God has for our lives. So if you're in here and you, you're, you, you are a believer in Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, God has a call on your life. He has a call on your life. There's two parts that you need to understand is first, you need to know what the call is. You need to discover what it is. The second part is you need to begin to be prepared to be able to answer the call, right? The interesting thing is that sometimes we want them to be, we want to know what it is first and then I'll get prepared and then I'll do it. But the way God leads is they kind of work in tandem, the discovering and the prepared, right? So there's a discovery part that has to happen. And I'm just, because I've, I lived so many years of my life in that place where it's like, God, I don't know what it is. Like, I am now just passionate about helping people discover what that thing is, about helping you to discover what God has called you to do. The thing that you were made for that no one else can do. The divine specific calling that God has on your life that nobody else has. Like, I'm so passionate about helping people discover that. So we do some things here at the church to do that because, man, that's why we exist. So as a church, we exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. It's two parts, right? The first part is finding people who don't know God and introducing them to God, right? And then the second part is helping people discover, why am I here on this earth? What is it, God, that you have for me to do? That's why we have what we call next steps at this church. Man, it's just a way to begin the process, us together. That's why I talk about it so much, because I'm so passionate about helping people in that process. Because I believe, like, we'll never really discover life until we begin to live out the thing that God has for us to do. We'll never discover real joy until we begin living for something that's bigger than just ourselves, right? So I'm so passionate about helping. And if, you, if that's you, you're saying, man, I want to discover that process. I want to begin in that and begin to discover those things. Give me three Sundays in October and we'll do that. We're going to the first three Sundays. You can, you can be on that journey with us. So, so there's a discovery that's got to take place. The second part is the preparation, right? There's a preparation that has to begin to happen. We've got to begin to be prepared for some things because we can get to another level on our own. We can go or grow to a place on our own. But if we want to sustain something, if we want to be successful at that higher level, we have to get prepared for what waits for us at that level. 
Because anytime we go to another level, we step into something new. There's new responsibilities. There's new weights. There's all kinds of things that take place at that new level. And if we haven't prepared before we get there, what's going to happen is we're going to experience destruction and loss and pain. And not just to us, but to those around us. Because we influence those around us, right? So there's a preparation that has to happen. It's like if I were to show up at an NFL practice. I hear some laughter. Why y'all, why y'all hating? <laughs> if I were to show up at an NFL practice, I could put on the pads. I could put on the uniform. I could high-five the guys and go out for stretches and get loose and get ready to run around. Could put the helmet on and get hyped up. Let's go. Get the eye, ma- you know, the eye paint on, and I could get out there. But if I haven't spent the years preparing, being in the gym, getting faster, getting stronger, bulking up, learning the plays, learning how to tackle, learning how to protect myself, if I haven't spent the years doing that, then when I get out there, what's going to happen is I will get run over, I will get hurt, I will get left behind, or severely injured, right? That's why growing up, so many, so many young men, they, they, they invest their lives preparing for a chance to excel at a higher level. So they go, they start in peewee football, and they start learning to run the plays in peewee football so that they can move up to JV. Because if you don't know how to play peewee football, you're going to have struggle in JV. And then in JV, you're learning things so that you can get to varsity. And in varsity, you're learning so that hopefully you can get discovered and get into college. And you play in college and learn from coaches and get prepared so that hopefully you can perform in the game and get noticed by some NFL scouts and hopefully one day end up in the NFL and be successful and be sustained and have a great career at that place. But it's all these years of preparation, of learning, of not being up here, but being here and growing and learning that allows us to be successful in a place, right? And God leads us the same way. So often we just want to take start in a place and just, you know, long jump the whole process and get to the end. But God leads us in such a way that he's okay with us taking time and going through some places where it seems like nothing is happening, where it seems like we're not, like things aren't working out right. And he's okay with us going through these seasons and leading us in such a way, step by step, takes time, sometimes years, so that we can get prepared so that when we get there, we'll be ready and prepared to handle what he has for us. It's seasons of preparation. So don't despise a season of preparation where it seems like, God, I don't know what's going on. It's like when a building is built. I don't know if you've ever driven by like a work site or a skyscraper or a place, and it's like, wow, that building went up really fast. Where did that come from, right? It seems like it's going up really fast because we're evaluating it based on what is seen. But what we don't see a lot of times is all the months and months and months ahead of time of what happening when that building actually starts being built. When they break up some ground and they start moving dirt around and now it looks just like a mess. And they're, they're causing delays in traffic because they're, 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 you know, these earth movers are coming in and it just looks like piles of dirt. And what are they doing? They're messing up the city beautiful. And would they just, you know, make it look nice again and stay out of the lanes? And, and here they are. They're, they're driving piers down into the ground and they're running wires and cables and tubes and all kinds of things are happening under the ground and yet we don't see any of it happening up on top all we see is the mess and the chaos that then we have to interact with right but then one day stuff begins to happen and it goes up quickly 
Like, that's, it's the process of preparation because if they didn't prepare the foundation of that building, then when a hurricane or the strong winds come, that building would fall right over. It wouldn't be able to stand. It wouldn't be able to do what it was made to do because it didn't have the right foundation. It's the same thing in our lives. That's why we started the Bible College here at Victory, because we wanted to have a place where people who wanted to get where people could get prepared to be ready to step into the call of God, where they could get in a place where the word is being put inside of them, where faith is being built up on the inside of them, where they're getting ready for what God has for them. That's why we do it. It's a season of preparation that God has called us into, right? So Jesus over my stuff. Jesus is giving us the story. He's outlining the excuses that people are making. He tells us of the excuse of our plans. We talked about that last week. He tells us about the excuse of our stuff. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 18. And this is the Passion Translation. He says, one said, I cannot come. I've just bought some property, and I'm obligated to go and look over it. (laughs) It's an interesting choice of words, uh, obligated. I just got some stuff, and I am obligated to go take care of it. I just got some jet skis, and I'm obligated to go break them in, right? I'm obligated. That word obligated means to bind, to commit to morally or legally. Like there's a binding tie in the stuff. That's what he's saying here. I'm obligated. And one interesting thing to note as, uh, in all of these excuses is that there's two clear choices in the excuses, right? But there's only one priority. There's two clear choices. There's the choice of, hey, I'm answering the call. I- I'm going towards God. Or I'm going to go with the excuse and go that way. There's two, tier- two clear choices, but only one priority. Only one thing can be put in that top place. I don't know if you all have an, one of those apps on your phone where you put your tasks in for the day and all the things you have to do, and you can prioritize them. So many of them, you can make like 13 number one priorities. <laughs> I'm like, what is that all about? That's not possible. Like, there can only be one real priority, right? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and stuff. I think even taking that word serve, what, is, what does that mean? I'm not serving money. Like You cannot give all of your heart to God and all of your heart to stuff. You cannot give all of your heart to God and all of your heart to your hobby. You cannot give all of your heart to God and all of your heart to money. Like You just can't do it. And for some people, it is money. For some people, it's vacations. For some people, it's the promotion or the status or a persona. For some people, it's all kinds of things, right? It's, it's the beach house or whatever else. And it's the things that we've given our hearts to, we've given our lives to, it's the things that we're chasing after and pursuing. And then when God comes in and whispers and he's like, hey, I've got something for you. We're like, God, I'm sorry. I'm busy. I got to take care of this because we've given priority to those things. We're, we've given our heart to those things. So when I put Jesus over my stuff, it's that I've given him preference or priority to those, over those things, right? Another way to say it is I'm holding everything loosely, I'm not holding on to anything. I'm holding everything loosely, except I'm holding on to Jesus. Jesus over my stuff, right? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Uh, There's a story. Jesus is getting ready to leave town. He's been in town. He's leaving. And this young man comes running up to him and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Or in other words, what do I need to do to get saved? What do I need to do to go to heaven? Right? It's a good question to know the answer to. Amen. (laughs) 
That's a good question. So Jesus um, hadn't died on the cross yet. Obviously, he's still there with them. And so what he answers him with is from the Ten Commandments, from the law, right? He says, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't defraud your neighbor, don't commit adultery, and honor your father and mother. And the guy's like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I've done all that stuff since I was a kid, so I am good. Yes, right? Verse 21 Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's, I just got to tell you, that's how Jesus looks at you. He's, he loves you. Every time he looks at you, he's like, that's my kids. I love those guys. Like, Jesus loves you. You got to know that. It's not just a song. He loves you. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That's a bold request. That's a bold request, right? But... It's really the same basic request he made to the disciples, right? When he called them Peter, John, Andrew, all those guys. Hey, leave behind what you have. Come and follow me. And truthfully, it's the same request that he's making to us today. Hey, come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. One translation says he was stunned. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Another translation says, how hard it is for those who trust in their wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because they've put those things over Jesus. They put everything over Jesus. In fact, we're meant to have the opposite, Jesus over everything, right? So when we put those things over him, yeah, our trust is in those things. Our hope is in those things. And it's just a, it's just it's just not going to last. Nothing in this world will last. It's just a false thing. It's a false hope to say, I'm trusting in that my job will always be providing for me. It's just not going to last. Like the only thing that's going to last is God's word, our hope in him. So how do we change this in our lives? How do we begin to kind of reorder some things in our lives? Things get out of, out of whack. How do we begin to reorder those things and put Jesus over our, uh, over our stuff? I believe there's two key areas that are crucial for us in putting Jesus over our stuff. The first one is trust. Do we really trust him? Do we trust God and his word? Or do we trust conventional wisdom? Do we really trust that God is a provider that he's Jehovah Jireh, that he sees ahead and provides? Or do we trust that, hey, I got my career and I got to make sure I make the best decision for me, right? Or It's trust. Do I really trust him or do I trust what I can figure out? The second one is value. Two key things that are important for us if we're going to really begin to put Jesus over our stuff and our lives is first is trust. Do we trust him? And second is value. And I'm not talking about value like how much do we have or how much is in our bank account or how much. Like I'm talking about the value that we of ourselves. How do we value? Where do we get our value from? Right? You know, um, I believe a lot of people have it mixed up. Where are we getting our value from? They're getting their value from their stuff, their possessions, their accolades, the things that they can do. They're getting things out of order in their lives. They're getting their value from those things. And then it's no surprise why people end up depressed, why people end up blowing through millions of dollars because they have no value in themselves. So they're trying to find value in something else, right? They don't know where their value is coming from. But value is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for a thing. The value of a car is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it, right? So it's the same for us. Our value comes from the price that was paid for us. 
So we find our value in the cross of Christ because on the cross, he paid for us. He paid for our sins. He paid so that he could know us, so that we could be part of his family. Not so that we could just be robots and just obey rules. And No, like he paid for us so he could have relationship with us, so he could know us, right? God didn't look for the cheap way out. God didn't go to Cheapo Depot to pay for sins. He didn't get on Retail Me Not to look for a discount code. No, God paid the highest price, and he paid it all, and he paid it for all time, and it cost him dearly. It cost him dearly, right? So our value is found in Christ because he paid the price for us, right? And it's really in this that God is displaying something for us. He's displaying a lifestyle that he wants us to live, and that's the lifestyle of generosity, right? If you don't believe me, let's look at Scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. So he's modeling a, a lifestyle of generosity for us because it's the lifestyle he's called us to live, right? Here's the interesting thing about God is that Anytime he asks us to do something or he calls us into something, he always models it for us first. Okay, I had one person that believes me. That's good. So God calls us to live a life of generosity, so he models it for us first. He shows us what it's like to give. He does it for us first. And so then he has no problem saying, now it's your turn. Now you live a generous life. Now, hey, I want you to live an intentionally generous life, right? This is what God does. This is how he operates, right? So at Victory, we have a, a thing that's called our leadership behavioral values that we talk about with our teams all the time. There's seven of them. But one of our leadership behavioral values is generosity, Right? And we define it or filter it different ways. But one of the ways we do that is by saying we, uh, we lead the way with intentional generosity. Right? We lead the way. So we're not waiting for someone else to model it for us. No, we will lead the way with intentional generosity. And those words are, are important for us. Intentional generosity isn't like someone didn't twist my arm into it. Someone didn't make, guilt me into it, make me feel bad about it. Someone didn't like use fancy words and say, if you do this, then God, no, no, no. I've decided I'm going to intentionally give and be generous because God called me to live a generous life and he showed me how to do it first, right? It's deciding I will be intentionally generous, right? Um, and I believe for us, we're heading into one of the most opportune times of the year. It's the end of the year. We've got about three months left in this year. And it's this holiday season that is an opportune time for us to reach people who feel far from God. Right? It's, there's opportunities all around us. I believe some of the best opportunities will take place in the next three months. And so I want to do something today uh, over the next few moments and just give us a couple specific things, some calendar items that you can put on your calendar that you can make note of that are opportunities for us to make a difference in the world around us, here in our community and also globally around us. So what I want us to do is I want you to write these dates down. I want you to write these things down. Put them on your calendar. Put them in your phone or whatever you got to do, write them down. And then all, all of us, I would ask us to do three specific things about each of these opportunities, right? Three specific things about these opportunities. The first one is pray. 
We need everyone to pray about each one of these outreaches, each one of these opportunities. Pray that God would move. Pray that God would pour His Spirit out. Pray that God would turn the hearts of people. Pray that that people would find salvation. Pray that people with disease in their body, when they're prayed for, would be healed. Pray that God would move in big ways, right? We need to pray. The second one is, is serve. Be involved in what God is doing. Right? Get in the middle of it. You know, a- after each of these events, we always show a recap video. Don't just watch the recap video on Sunday. Oh, that was good. No, be in the recap video. Be like, hey, there I am, baby. That's me. Like, be part of what God is doing. Get involved. Get your kids involved and be part of it. Right, serve. The third one is to give. Like, put, put your money where your mouth is. Like, don't just say, God, you're going to do great things. No, like, we know that when we give, when we take something that's in our hands and we put it in God's hands, he can do infinitely more with it than what we could, right? Same thing with our worries and our fears. As long as it's in our hands, it's not in God's hands. So sometimes we're like, God, I know you're going to bless me, but we're just keeping everything to ourselves. I'm going to keep all my worries. I'm going to keep all my stuff. I'm going to keep all my priorities. But God is saying, hey, cast it on me. I care for you. Cast your worries on me. Like, hey, put some seed in the ground. Get ready for what I've got for you. Like, there's a preparation. There's a a, a season that comes, and when we begin to get involved this way, God does something great, right? So, for us to maximize the impact, for us to reach as many boys and girls, as many moms and dads, and as many people in between as we can, it's going to take all of us doing all three of those things to maximize the impact, right? And I'm listen, I'm, I'm strategically uh, sharing these, these with us right now ahead of time because I want us to get prepared. I know the holidays are coming, right? Schedules get crazy, right? And, and money gets tight. You spend on gifts. I know there's a lot of stuff going, around, going on. So I'm telling us these things specifically now, ahead of time, so that you can pray about it, so that you can get prepared, so that you can plan for it, so that you're not ever talked into it or coerced into it, so that you can make the decision to be intentionally generous. Why? Because we are intentionally generous people. We make a plan for it. We prepare for it. And then God finds us a giving and we're joyful about it because we are ready to do it and then he delights in our giving because God loves a cheerful giver and we're blessed because of it amen Amen. so we're gonna prepare we're gonna plan ahead and we're gonna get ready so when the moment comes man we can move on it and make an impact so are you ready this morning all right a few of you right up here how about everybody else are we ready this morning all right here's the first one I want to tell us about that's fall festival Fall Festival is going to be Sunday, October 27th, a little over a month from now. Uh, We do this uh, event every year, and every year that we've done it, it's always in the top five most attended weekends of the year here at Victory. It's a big event that we do. We love it. There's going to be carnival games, inflatables, tons of free candy. It's going to be an amazing, amazing day. There'll be face painting and all kinds of stuff. A family-friendly costume contest. You can win some prizes. It's great. And listen, um, I understand the relation uh, and the closeness to Halloween. But hear me. We do not do it to celebrate Halloween. Okay? We do it to reach people who don't want to come to church, who feel far from God, who feel like church isn't for them because people in that boat, people who feel like they're far from God are looking for something like that to bring their kids and bring their family to. 
So we're going to have a, fe- a fall festival at church. Come, come on, somebody. I think back to the very first fall festival that we had. Uh, we're still meeting as a church at East River High School, just two miles down the road. And um, I was actually the children's pastor at that time. It's the first year of the church, 2014. And um, I was standing outside, and this young couple came up and started talking to me. And she said, I have to tell you something. Okay, what do you want to tell me? She said, um, you know, we've just started coming. We're, we're new here, but we brought our niece today, and she just ran up to me and said, this is the best day of my life. Amen. And so she began to tell me about um, this young girl. that She's got her picture from that day uh, up there on the screen. She said, um, you know, we're new to the area. We're trying to get involved, but uh, her parents uh, aren't coming to church and wouldn't bring her, so we picked her up and brought her. And I began to think about and seeing her in service. And now when she came in and she started jumping and worshiping with us, and even though it was her first time singing the songs, and when we were, you know, teaching the kids the Bible lesson, and she was paying attention, then seeing her hand raised at the end for prayer, man, I just got so excited. And I began to think, think of myself, God, thank you for all the people on the team right now that are here serving so that so that Shaylee could have the best day of her life. Thank you, God, for all the people who invested financially to create this moment for her. And if it was only for her, I'd do it a thousand million times more because it changed her life. She's not a little girl anymore. She's growing up. She's a junior leader in children's church now. Come on. Her parents started coming to church, and the whole family is involved. Her aunt and uncle that came in, they've been in the church ever since. They're some of our our top leaders here in the church today. That's why we do Fall Festival. That's why we do it, because it changes the life of people. It makes an impact. So that's why I want to ask you, like, will you guys bring bags of candy and donate bags of candy, right, and bring the good stuff? The stuff you want to eat, right? Because I'm just, I'm tired of people looking at the church and thinking they took the cheap way out. This is God's house and it should be the best. The maker of heaven and earth. You know what I'm saying? So get the good stuff. It's about to go on sale everywhere. So when you are at Walmart or Aldi's or BJ's or wherever you go, just pick up one of those bags, you know, three to eight bucks and drop it in there. And then when you come on Sunday, put it in the bins in the lobby. It's going to be a blessing to people that come. Amen. Amen. Come on. Another way you can be involved in Fall Festival is just serving. We need your help that day. It's one of our biggest Sundays of the year. Lots and lots of new people coming. And one thing that, you know, is, is important to us is when people come to the church, don't you always feel welcomed? Man, Disney might be the happiest place, but this is the friendliest church in Central Florida, okay? But when more and more people start coming, and as we're growing, we need more and more people to continue to be friendly. So I, I know my wife mentioned these cards in the video, and we passed them down the rows, but would we pass them back the other way? You can pick them up right now, pass them down, because maybe you didn't pick one up before, but maybe, you know, now you're, like you're hearing Shaylee's story, and you're like, I can make a difference. Maybe you can help us serve. You can fill it out and drop it in the bucket later in service. But man, we need your help so that as people are coming, that you can connect with somebody new and find out their names, find out their kids' names and what they love so that maybe they feel welcome, maybe they feel comfortable enough to come back for another week. We can make a difference in the lives of people. You don't have to be a, sco- a Bible scholar. You just have to be available. So are, are you available? Another way you can help in Fall Fest, man, we, uh, we do this as a free event. We believe in free events. Come on, somebody said amen to that. 
right? We love doing it. It's a gift to the community, but it does cost us something as a church over and above our normal operating procedures. And we gladly do it. We love doing it, but that's a way that you can be involved. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I can help underwrite the cost of these things. Maybe you're a businessman or you know someone you say, they can help underwrite the cost of these things. Maybe you can do, do the whole thing. It costs us $2,500. Maybe you can do half of it or a quarter of it or a part of it. Whatever part of it, every part represents a person, right? And that's why we do it. So fall festival. Here's the next one I want to tell you about, right, is our Thanksgiving outreach. Our Thanksgiving outreach. We're going to do our Thanksgiving outreach Saturday, November 16th. I love Thanksgiving because it's an eating holiday. That's a good one. The eating holidays are good, right, because we get to eat turkey. Guys, we have our annual turkey football game. We get out early Thanksgiving morning. We play football, and then we walk back to our cars. We don't tackle. It's, you know, two-touch flag football. We have a great time. We go home. We spend the day with our families. We get to eat pie and all kinds of amazing things. But I don't know if you've ever thought about what it would be like if you actually couldn't afford, you weren't able to actually go and buy and provide the meal for your family that you wanted to. Many people, uh, many of us have the ability, even if our finances are tight, we have the ability to kind of make some changes or adjustments and go provide a good meal for our family. But there are those right here in our community that don't have that ability. They don't have the wherewithal for whatever reason to do that. And so one thing that we do every year as a church is we give out Thanksgiving meals and turkeys. So we make grocery bags full of everything you need to have a great Thanksgiving plus a turkey. Last year we gave out 22 of those turkeys plus the Thanksgiving meals. Come on. It's awesome. But what what if we could do 50 this year? There's more than 50 people in this room. And you count our other service, 930 service, like turkeys are going to be going on sale between now and Thanksgiving. Some great deals at Publix, Walmart. Watch those sale places. You can get some amazing turkeys for a cheap price, right? So what are we doing? We're getting prepared. We're thinking ahead. We're being intentionally generous, right? So, man, just be watching for those things. Maybe God puts it on your heart. Hey, we got a turkey for us. We can provide one, maybe two for someone else, right? We're being intentionally generous. You say, Pastor, I ain't got room for three turkeys. I got a deep freeze at the team center. You can bring one any week, and we'll, we'll put it over there. We'll have it ready to bless a family that's in need, right? It's what we do as a church, right? So our Thanksgiving outreach, you can be a part of it. Come help me pass out 50 turkeys that day because that's, that's a lot of lifting, that's a lot of lifting. What I love, if, if you'll put that picture back up there again, I want to show you something, uh, the, the picture. I want you to see who's in this picture passing the turkeys out. See all those kids in there? Come on, adults. There's some, there's some of our next generation right there passing turkeys out. We're going to show them the way. We're going to lead the way with intentional generosity, intentional serving, intentional giving, right? So our Thanksgiving outreach. Here's the next one I want to tell us about is our Christmas outreach. Our Christmas outreach is going to be Saturday, December 14th. Saturday, December 14th. We're going to do a big Christmas outreach. Last year was the biggest one we'd ever done. We gave away a little over 400 Christmas gifts to boys and girls right here in our community. We always do two outreaches, one here in our community, but one globally. 
Um, our founding pastors, pastors Caleb and Sarah, when they moved away to, uh, and we changed leadership in the church, right? And now I'm the pastor. When we did that, they did that so we could multiply our efforts internationally. So they've been the ones traveling, making sure the homes are getting built, the rescue homes, building the water wells, which by the way, the 52 water wells are almost ready. They're almost done. And I was talking with Pastor Caleb and Sarah this last week. They're going to be sending us some pic- new pictures of those wells getting built. I'm so excited. That project's almost ready. But they've been doing these things. And one of the things that we do at Christmas is what we call Christmas in Asia, where we send some resources, some money, and we buy some Christmas gifts for kids, boys and girls in in Southeast Asia, some who've never heard the name of Jesus before. We go to their villages. We we teach them about Jesus, and we give them Christmas gifts. They've got some pictures. You can see them getting some of their gifts right there. It is amazing what we do there. This year, I'm so excited we're going to be doing that again, but we're going to be adding India. Come on, somebody. So we're going to have Christmas in Asia, Christmas in India, and we are a part of it through your giving. You are a part of bringing Christmas to India and Asia this year. So we do that, but we also do Christmas outreach right here, like I said, December 14th. And man, we did 400 last year, but what if, what if, what if we won up that a little bit? What if we got five, six, seven hundred gifts that we're able to give away right here in our community? Boys and girls, man, that for whatever reason don't have gifts. I think uh, I, I see this little girl. There's a, another picture of a girl we gave a gift to. This little girl on our Hope truck, man, she's living with her, was living with her grandparents at this time because uh, her parents were on drugs and couldn't take care of her. And she'd been through some horrific stuff and they didn't have, uh, you know, the resources to go out and buy her some Christmas. So, you know, who found out the gifts that she wanted wanted and then showed up. There was people in this church who bought the exact things that she asked for, and that's her getting those gifts. Can look at that face. Come on! That's what we do. That's what we're doing. It's intentional generosity. We're going to be doing that. You can be a part of that. We also give out groceries on those days and, and hams and turkeys and that day. Here's the last one I want to tell you about today is our legacy offering. We do this. Legacy Sunday is December 8th. Sunday, December 8th. It's our legacy offering. What that is for us is it's a strategic uh, uh, investment into the future, right? So we come on that day. We've decided ahead of time, right? I'm going to give over and above sacrificially to help move the vision of the church that we are a part of forward, right? So we just decided from the beginning as a church, we're not going to get in a place of pressure and make bad decisions financially, We're going to move forward with the vision, with what God has called us at the pace of of, of all of our involvement, of our serving and of our giving. So whatever that pace is, that's how we're going to move forward. So sometimes when people ask me, hey, pastor, when are we going to get a building? And I say, hey, at the right moment when we have the funds to pay for it. So, yes, we are saving money, getting prepared for that moment, but I'm just not going to get in a place where we have to make a bad decision with money and then we're, in a, we're stuck in a thing. We're just not going to do that. We're going to move forward as we have the resources to do it. So even, even if God were to bring us a miracle today, like we've got to be able to have our part. We've got to be prepared to handle it, to pay for it. So like legacy offering helps us in that, but it helps us in that we move forward in some of our vision that way. We're able to put funds towards building projects. Where we're able to put funds towards future dream centers that we're going to have. Where we're able to invest funds into other churches that are being planted around our city and other churches that are being planted around our nation, right? It invests in a lot of different ways and we 
we give towards that on that day, December 8th. And I'm telling us all these things ahead of time, right? Because I want you to pray about it. I want you to ask God this question, God, what do you want me to do? And then do whatever he tells you to do, right? You have the Holy Spirit. I am not your Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God inside of you. And I have enough confidence in who he is and how he speaks to me that he also speaks to you. So my hope is in him. Just know my hope is in not what we do and what we're able to do because God can do greater than what we can do, right? It's just that when people get in alignment and get in obedience with him, then miracles start to happen and things start to happen in us because we've gotten in alignment with him, right? So ask him, God, what do you want me to do? And just do what he says. And man, it's going to be amazing. Is your faith built up today? Do you have a vision for what God can do in us this season? Yes, a few of us. Anybody else? Come on. We can give God some praise.